0: are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock here with you on a Monday edition of the show. Uh, Good and bad news here. The good news first, Jason Fitzgerald. He is the founder of OverTheCap.com. He is a free agent and salary cap guru. He is going to join me in just a little bit to talk about the Jimmy Garoppolo contract, the 49ers cap situation, and uh, their own impending free agents, as well as free agents around the league who could become San Francisco 49ers and what some of the big free agent targets around the league might be earning salary-wise in a free agency. And some very bad news. Reuben Foster arrested again. Going to go into details on that stuff in just a second. I want to remind everybody to follow me on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can send in mailbag questions to me there or via email. on 49 ers at Gmail. Going to do a big mailbag I think on Tuesday's episode and I was going to get to my scouting report on Bradley Chubb one of my favorite prospects in this draft especially for the 49ers a defensive end out of North Carolina State about the Reuben stuff and I got a nice long interview here with Jason to get to so I'm going to push that back to tomorrow so we'll do the scouting report on Bradley Chubb on Tuesday's show as well as a nice long mailbag segment I think a lot of Reuben Foster with that mailbag as well and hopefully I'll have more details on his situation on Tuesday. Subscribe, rate, review the show. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play, we're on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh TuneIn, everywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Locked On 49ers and tons of content aside from the streams of the podcast over at Lockedon49ers.com. Ah, Reuben, Reuben, Reuben. Reuben Foster, uh Ruben, Ruben, Reuben Ruben Foster, in the news again. So much positive. Momentum for the 49ers this offseason, announcing the big Jimmy Garoppolo deal to end the week. And you start the next week with an arrest. Reuben Foster, he was popped for marijuana in Alabama uh, less than a month ago. Now on Sunday, he was arrested in Los Gatos and booked at Santa Clara County Jail on charges of domestic violence and possession of an assault weapon. And let's just go straight to the statement from the Los Gatos Police Department there. They said, at 9.15 a.m. February 11, 2018, they responded to a residence on Shannon Road in regards to a welfare check and a possible disturbance call for service. Upon officer's arrival, the victim and suspect were both contacted. As a result of the initial investigation, the suspect, identified as Reuben Foster, 23 years old, was arrested without incident by Los Gatos Monte Sereno Police Department on charges of domestic violence, threats, and possession of assault weapons. So three charges there. Foster was transported and booked at the Santa Clara County Main Jail on the above charges. The incident is still under current investigation at this time. And he posted $75,000 bail. And so that was the incident on Sunday. And a statement from the 49ers regarding Reuben Foster's arrest. The San Francisco 49ers organization is aware of the report regarding Reuben Foster. We take matters of this nature seriously and are gathering all pertinent information. And then this tweet from Matt Mayoko, who talked to a spokesman from the NFL, when asked about this Reuben Foster situation in the 49ers, he just said, quote, the league will look into the matter. So that's very vague there. So a lot still up in the air with this Reuben Foster situation. Obviously an awful situation. And it's one thing to get hit for marijuana. It wasn't too worried about that one at all. When you start talking about domestic violence, now we have something serious happening. It's not quite time to panic about this situation and about Ruben Foster, but there's a lot of smoke here. And uh, generally these kind of things don't end well. And if it's true and this all comes down and it's a bad situation with domestic violence, uh, I, I can't imagine they're going to hang with Ruben Foster very long and he could be gone. I mean, there is that chance that he doesn't play for the 49ers and that's it. Um, right now there's nothing to do. You can't suspend the guy. He's not playing. He's not getting paid in the off season. Uh, there's no, you know, it's it's going to be a couple months before there's any sort of mini camps or anything like that. So, you know, maybe suspensions coming forward, but that stuff would still be down the road. So right now it's the off season. There's a lot of time to sit back, see what's going on, investigate this situation, get all the information, as the 49ers said, pertinent facts and see what's going on and, and then see what to do with Reuben Foster. So I don't think anything's going to happen immediately unless they have some information. If the 49ers do get some information, it looks like a really bad Situation. They, it's it is possible they could cut him tomorrow, on Monday when you're listening to this, he could already be axed. Be very surprised if that happened, but that that is a possible outcome. And if you know it, this is a bad road for Ruben Foster, the, the, this is it's getting progressively worse here with him, and and that's not good at all. And there's a reason. There's a lot of teams that do a lot of investigation work and background stuff on all these prospects, and with his talent, that you know, talent was not the problem. That's not the reason. He was still available to pick 31 for the 49ers to trade up and draft him. So uh, there, a lot of teams passed on Ruben Foster because, you know, there was some medical stuff, but th- there was some personal stuff and some character stuff as well. And it's hard to believe because when you see the guy, and he's so jovial, and he's so great in interviews, he's always smiling. He doesn't seem like a bad dude. Uh, but privately, he's he's messed up quite a few times now. And a, and a couple major times here in the offseason, as a 49er, and even before that at the Combine, a bad pattern, some bad decisions from Reuben Foster. You hope that the domestic violence thing isn't real. That's the bad one, and you hope that that didn't actually happen when you get all the facts and, and who knows, arguing with his girlfriend or whatever's going on there. I have no idea. Hopefully, it turns out it's not that bad of a situation with that. The pot stuff you can deal with, and if he's good going forward, then you're okay. But there could be league suspension. There could be team suspension. The 49ers could say, you know what, that's enough. Uh, a, a lot of outcomes right now with Ruben Foster. So if you're the 49ers, right now you hope and you prepare to possibly not have Ruben Foster around for uh, a few games or ever. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the reality the 49ers are living in right now with Ruben Foster, unfortunately. And as we get more information, uh, we'll break that all down here. On locked on 49ers. Okay, uh, enough of the bad news. Let's get to free agency. I've got a great guest here, Jason Fitzgerald. So let's talk free agents. Let's talk contracts with today's guest. My guest today is Jason Fitzgerald. You know him from Twitter, most likely at Jason underscore OTC. He is the founder of overthecap.com. He is about as knowledgeable as the guys you can find about the salary cap and free agency. So that's why I have him on the show today. Also, an author of a book called Crunching Numbers, an inside look at the salary cap and negotiating player contracts. Jason, very kind of you to join me here today on Locked On 49ers. Uh, glad to be here. Big news in 49er land with the Jimmy Garoppolo contract. And it's a front-loaded, five years, $137.5 million contract. I, we, I guess we have to start there. Uh, first of all, big picture, do you think this is a win for the 49ers or more of a win for Garoppolo and his agent Don Yee, or, or do you like this deal for both sides?
0: Uh, well, I think there's things that you can like for both sides, but in terms of just um, overall money um, being spent on this one, I, I would consider this a pretty big win for the player. Uh, you know, you're looking at a guy who has, I think, seven career starts, um, second-round draft pick, uh, is not a big sample size to go from historically those kind of players don't get a market setting contract uh obviously things have changed a little bit um now with the way the quarterback position is approached but i didn't think it would get this high i I mean if you go back just a couple of years ago to uh colin kaepernick with the 49ers and you know again you're talking about a second round draft pick you're talking about a player who um had a lot more showing in those uh in his two years. Um, I guess that uh he had played versus this little sample that Garoppolo had. Uh you know, led the team to the Super Bowl um playoff appearance again. And you know, they they fought with him on that contract and you know they they got him for about 18 million, which uh, you know, in today's dollars would probably be around maybe twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two million, 22 million, something in that range. So for the same guys, it's the same people negotiating the contracts. And if you study the way the teams do things, there really hasn't been a big change with the way the 49ers have done deals now that Lynch is in charge as general manager. So it's pretty big win um, to get this organization in particular to go up that high on the player.
1: Yeah. You mentioned the negotiations there and this is a classic Prague Marate deal. And I think, for for the team side of this, they're they're thinking, okay, look, we don't want to wait until Kirk Cousins and everybody else signs a contract. We don't want to go the franchise tag route and have things get sort of contentious and weird. So let's do something now so the player could reach where we think he's going to earn anyway and, and get him that total money, but then also have some outs in this deal. And, and Prague loves to have those outs in contracts. So the 49ers can get out of it in year two year three and year four. Does that make it seem a little bit more uh, feasible for the 49ers side to give someone all that money, but have some outs as well?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, in that respect, it kind of mimics the um, the car contract in Oakland. Uh, I think that was a bit of a similar scenario where I, I'm a big car fan. I think anyone that follows me on Twitter and hears me talking about, uh, you know, car and the uh, quarterback hierarchy knows that I like him, even though he had a terrible season this year. Um, but you can tell the Raiders were not necessarily completely sold when they gave him the top contract in the NFL. Uh, you can see that there's outs in those deals um, somewhat similar to this, uh, and that was probably a basis as to you know why they did it this way. Um, it, it's very different than a contract like a Matt Stafford, where the players like that are locked in for a long period of time. There, there's really no out in there. Uh, granted, those kind of players are also more proven, So there's less of a thought that they're going to, um, you know, become a hindrance down the line, but it's beneficial for the team. Uh, I I would say if you look at the way the deal is structured and you look at the way they're going to pay on the deal, um, San Francisco probably wants to get at least two years out of it and then get to the third and see, uh, if things don't go great, um, but he's still, you know, an adequate player, they should be able to bring his salary down in that third year to where the overall investment over three years is not terrible. And that's probably what they're probably the way that they're doing the deal. Uh, I, I would think that's probably their end game with it is hope that they can get the three years, um, out of it at worst. Uh, and at best, obviously is you just want to get the whole contract. If, uh, he plays like he did in those five games, no one's going to care about 27, five or whatever the number is per year, because he's going to earn it. Um, you know, 10 times over. So they're they're not going to be worried about that, but there's definitely outs um, built into this contract. Um, But, you know, I I don't think they would be happy if he completely flopped and they had to cut him next year, even though maybe that's built into the contract where you could feasibly do that. Um, They would have spent so much more money versus just using a transition or franchise tag uh, that I'm sure they would not be happy with, uh, with that uh, breaking down that way.
1: Yeah, I believe it's. they're about $10 million more than what the, the franchise tags would have cost for the first two years. So obviously both sides hope that he earns all $137.5 million, and, uh, and then obviously he'd still be 31 years old and looking for another big payday there, and the 49ers will have won a bunch of football games. Um, let's move on to just some current 49ers before we get to free agents out there on the market or potentially on the market. Uh, with all the cap space, the 49ers still have, I believe, either second or third in the league uh, first of all, w- with your numbers, where are the 49ers and could they even add just a touch more? I'm thinking maybe Zane Beatles is probably the only player under contract that has a good chance of getting cut from the team this year.
0: Uh, right now I have them with about $74 million in cap room. Uh, that should be third, it's either third or fourth in the league. They're, they're right neck and neck with the New York Jets right now. Um, obviously there's other numbers that come into play with that. You, know, you have to worry about money that you're setting aside to pay your draft picks. Um, only 51 players count against the salary cap at this point in time. Uh, that'll expand to 53 later on. Uh, there's other money that you have to set aside for certain types of incentives that can be earned during the year. So I would guess San Francisco probably looks at their cap, not at 74 million. They probably look at it closer to, Sixty-four million, I would guess, as to what they can spend.
1: I think Prague, after the press conference, the Garoppolo presser said something like $63, uh, sixty-three, sixty-two to sixty-four million, something like that, which uh, yeah, people so that, assumed that's, was yeah. That's after probably a draft. the
0: ballpark as to uh, what they're looking at uh, in terms of where they can make some money up. Yeah, Beatles. I mean, that that'd save an extra three five. Um, you know, most of the players they just signed last year. You know, a lot of them on the roster, so there's really not a lot of players here. Um, you know, that you could get big money from by uh, releasing. So I would say that's probably the main one, but they, they have so much cap room. I mean, this is where they started this year before this contract. I mean, it's just unheard of territory for a couple of these teams to have cap space as large, um, you know, to be able to use.
1: Yeah. They did a lot of house cleaning last year. And I believe uh, it might've been you on Twitter that mentioned that the 49ers before the Garoppolo deal had as much cap space, this off season as the entire cap was in like 2011 or something like that.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. They, um, they, they were in there, they were right around 120 million. They, uh, when the new CBA began the, uh, cap, I believe that year was 120.3. Um, so yeah, they, they were right around that figure. Uh, you know, them and the Browns, uh, both had tremendous amounts of cap room, uh, and the 49ers, you know, I, they used that to their advantage, um, with this Garoppolo deal. Um, Yeah, pretty sure about that one. Yeah, Uh, you know, and they they've done that in the past. They they've always done things um, a little out of the box to find ways to use cap space um, when they could do it. So, you know, they they I'd expect them to front load a lot of contracts that they do this year in a very similar manner um, as to what they just did with Garoppolo. So, a
1: couple more in-house free agents before we get to some other positions. Uh, Brandon Fusco. Uh, I got to believe that the 49ers will definitely want him back with, with how bad their other guard spot and center spot was last year, because they're going to be looking even at, I think beyond Fusco at that position. Uh, He should be able to come back at, I believe some sort of a reasonable rate. And then the other two guys that, you know, Carlos Hyde and Eric Reed were big parts of the team last year, you know, and I don't want to close the door on those guys, but I feel like the 49ers will let them both hit the market. And then at that point, they might find some better money elsewhere. Do
0: you agree with that? Uh, I think that's probably a good possibility uh, for both of them. Uh, you know, Hyde is Hyde is someone that probably flies a little bit under the radar. Uh, once he's kind of gotten over his uh, injury issues there, he's been pretty effective. Um, he's been able to show himself more in the passing game the last two years, and that's a big benefit for a back going into free agency. Uh, but there's times, if you look at the way the 49ers Use him, and you would probably be much more familiar than me. Looking from a, you know, much further on the outside, it just seems like there's times when they they decide that you know Hyde isn't really going to be a big part of a game or something like that. Mm-hmm. Usually, players that you're going to keep, um, you know, usually you don't see that kind of uh, approach with. So I, I would think that other teams around the league would probably value him in the five million, five and a half million range. And the 49ers might not see him, you know, really filling that kind of role for that kind of night. Uh Reed, you know, that that's one of those players who you're looking at someone who's highly drafted, uh, has had a solid, I, w- I would say, career, but not, uh, you know, not top of the line kind of player. Those players often end up leaving. Uh, they can usually find something better um, elsewhere. Either some team will overpay just based on the uh, the draft status that the player had. Um, or they'll find a one-year deal or something like that for more money and hope that that can springboard them to a much bigger contract the following year. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if both of those players were uh, elsewhere next season.
1: Looking at the open market here, and uh, let's start with the running back position. We just talked about Hyde. If Hyde goes, I think Le'Veon Bell is just it'd probably get an outrageous contract, and it probably will be from the Steelers. But if he did hit the market, I just don't know if, if Kyle Shanahan – uh, looks at that position as something where he needs to spend a lot of money because he can get value and, and get production from players that are drafted late and and, and some other guys. But um, how much money is Le'Veon Bell getting? Do you think he'd be an, an option for the 49ers or if he even sees the open market? And the other guy I want to ask about is Deion Lewis. How much money can he get? Because I would assume he would get less than, uh, than a running back that's maybe a bell cow type of back, which would make it sort of uh, – Maybe a bargain deal for someone who's so good in the passing game, but at the same time, he's still one of the top free agent running backs after Bell.
0: Yeah, um, with Bell, he's one of those players that I'm pretty conflicted about, uh, kind of for the reasons that you mentioned. Um, players like that hit free agency, and there are a lot of teams that just immediately say no. You know, he's got a lot of wear and tear in his body. Uh, We don't run an offense like the Steelers, where we want a running back to be out there for 95% of the plays or whatever number that he's out there on. Um, You know, he's had suspension issues. uh, He's had multiple knee injuries. Um, Can't discount the talent whatsoever. But it's very hard for me to really put a number on him. I almost feel like if he actually got to the open market, he wouldn't get much more than 10 or 11 million, which a lot of people told me is too low. They think he'll get more than that. Um, but I, I think that's a just a big number, um, you know, to, to pay a running back who you know tomorrow could just stop being very effective. Uh, I would expect that he'll go to Pittsburgh. I think that's the best spot for him to uh, to stay. He was looking for something like fifteen million a year. I, I can't imagine any team in the NFL would do that. Um, if there's a team that maybe could, I, I mean, I guess you could put the Forty ers in that conversation only because they could structure a contract in a way to you know, kind of walk away after two years. But I don't know if they'd want to make that kind of investment um, up front, uh, you know, for a player like All
1: right, so we got kind of cut off there from the phone call. Back on here with Jason Fitzgerald. Um, we just went over Le'Veon Bell. How about Dion Lewis on the running back market? Is he a guy that is going to get paid like a part-time player, or is the team going to have to overpay to get what he does so well?
0: No. I don't think he's going to be a pl- uh, player that's overpaid. Um, he obviously, he had a, a good playoff run, a good close of the season. And, you know, that that's always going to help you. Um, but I don't think he's going to be paid, you know, probably more than you know, four and a half million, four million a year, something like that. Um, I, I think that's kind of the ballpark that uh, teams will be looking at with him. So I, I think he's an affordable option. He's probably the uh, third or fourth um you know, best player that's going to be available in free agency. Uh, but I think he, he would be looked at as an affordable option uh, if you were looking for someone that's, you know, a rotational type.
1: All right, sticking on the offensive side of the ball, that 2014 draft class was insanely talented for wide receivers, and some of them uh, had been banged up, and a lot of them are becoming free agents right now. And so it's kind of all over the map, different shapes, guys, different skill sets here. Um Looking at wide receivers, I think the top of the market, the most expensive three players, uh, I'm guessing, will be Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, and Sammy Watkins. I could see the argument for all three of those guys. Who's going to be making the most money out of that group, and and do you like the fit? For me, Allen Robinson's the guy I'm kind of eyeballing for the 49ers.
0: Uh, Well, Jarvis Landry is definitely going to be the uh, highest-paid receiver who's out there. Uh, It's a little bit of an interesting contract there because you're you're talking about a player who's a slot receiver, um, doesn't really put up a lot of uh, the game-changing kind of numbers that teams pay for. Um, but I, I think the market there has changed a little bit. So I, I could see him uh, being in the, the realm of $14 million a year. I don't think any of the, the other players are going to get there. Uh, Robinson would probably be the guy, talent-wise, um, who can certainly do that. But I think he was really hurt by getting injured this year. I don't know how teams are going to react to that. Uh, I almost think that He could be looking at having to take kind of a one-year prove-it deal if Jacksonville doesn't uh, use a transition or a franchise tag or something on him. Um, I really like that fit, actually, for San Francisco. If he was to be available, I think uh, that would be a great spot if he was willing to do a one-year deal. I I think that would be a a terrific landing spot for him. You'd pair him up with the quarterback. Uh, If he's healthy, San Francisco will certainly pay for him to keep him. They'll probably re-up him in the middle of the year, similar to what the Eagles did with uh, Alshon Jeffery last season. Um, so I I think that would be a terrific fit. Um, whether he's available or not, I'm not really sure. Uh, Sammy Watkins, you know, he could be the third best available. Um, it's not a great group of receivers who's out there this year. Um, Watkins is someone who I think is a question mark player still. Uh, he's going to get paid primarily on the fact that he was such a high draft pick. Uh, You know, he's, he's fast, he's speedy, but it doesn't always translate onto the field. I didn't put, uh, put up big numbers in uh, LA this year. Uh, certainly didn't put up big numbers. Most of the time in Buffalo, he struggled with injuries with his feet. Um, so I, I don't really know what the ceiling is price wise on him. Uh, I, I don't know if San Francisco should take a risk on a player like that, uh, when there's better players available. Um, but I, I don't think it's, uh, it's, out of the realm to say that he's the third best available in a weak group of uh, wide receivers.
1: Yeah, the Sammy Watkins ones, it can be a little bit scary because obviously the potential is there, but you don't want to pay him for draft slot and potential and not production. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, the Rams do and how they value him. And there's been rumors that he's going to get franchised and is similar to Allen Robinson. So obviously these guys have to actually make it to the open market uh, to, to be bid on by a team like the 49ers. Looking at some of the other cheaper options in the wide receiver market here, Dante Moncrief is someone who has shown flashes and really was bad since luck has been out. And then uh, a guy I liked coming out of the draft and has been injured is Jordan Matthews, who has some size, and I think the 49ers could do well to target some size in the free agent market. Do you like either of those fits, and, and how much of those guys going to command?
0: Um Matthews, you know, that, that's another interesting one because he, he was banged up this year. This is not a good year for him, uh, to go into free agency. Generally players like that are probably in the $6 million a year range. So not too expensive. Uh, you can take a flyer on a player like that and see if there's uh you know, something that really happens when he comes into a new offense. Uh, he's pretty good in Philadelphia. So, I mean, there's, there's potential there. Um, you know, other other guys, uh, who was the, the other name that you had mentioned there? Well, uh, Dante Sorry, uh, Moncrief Moncrief, from uh, Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think he'll cost much at all. So I think mean, if you want to take a, uh, you know, a $2 million flyer just to take a shot at somebody, yeah, that, that's probably not a bad one to target. Um, you know, I mean, there's also Paul Richardson from the Seahawks. It, there's a number of players um, that kind of all fall into that same range that are probably going to get paid in the low number two realm, which is all right around $6 million a year. Uh, you'd have, um, Lee, I think from Jacksonville, uh, you know, there's a couple players like that. And then you've also got the veterans. If you wanted to go after, uh, someone like Mike Wallace or something along those lines, uh, that might be available for 5 million or less.
1: Would you put, uh, John Brown in that same category with maybe Marquise Lee and Paul Richardson?
0: I think he'll be under that. I, I think that both Brown receivers from, uh, the Cardinals, I think they're both high upside players, but just has not been enough the last uh, two years from the, either of them, I think to, to really justify teams, really making that leap on a big investment. Uh, so I, I actually think they would probably end up closer in the 4 million range if they did a multi-year deal. Um, if they do a one-year deal, it might be even a little bit less than that, but then you, you, know, you run that risk of losing them if they do happen to perform very well in the offense later on.
1: A lot of my listeners have asked me about Jimmy Graham and his fit for the 49ers, and I've kind of like poo-pooed that and didn't give it much of a thought, but he's got the name value, and um, he could be that red zone weapon the 49ers could use with that size of the tight end position. I don't know if there's value there. What do you think about Jimmy Graham? And bonus tight end here, if you're looking for a pass-catching tight end, what kind of money is Super Bowl champion Trey Burton looking at? Would that be a better option?
0: Uh, I would probably go with Burton over Graham. Uh, Graham is 31 I think this year uh his his numbers have declined a lot since he left New Orleans granted he was never going to produce at that level because other teams just don't run that kind of offense um but he's more name I think than uh than production at this point uh he's good in the red zone and obviously the, that's something that you pay for but I, I think the market for players like that is probably right around seven five seven six million and I actually think that's a little bit high for what he's probably going to give you and he may look for more and he may get more just because of the name value uh, that's attached with him. Uh, So I I would probably like the upside of someone like Burton. Uh, If Burton was to sign with um, San Francisco, I would guess he'd probably get somewhere close to 6.5 million. Uh, You know, the, the deal that was done with um, uh, Vance McDonald, Uh, year ago, I think was right around that number. So I I don't think that uh, they can really go much under that, even though he doesn't really have a lot to fall back on the last couple of years in Philly because he really hasn't had those kind of opportunities to perform. Uh, But I I think that's probably the money he would be looking at. But I I think there's at least more upside there um, to where I would probably do that and keep trying to build younger um, around the quarterback and You know, reaching for someone older, uh, unless you really just thought, you know, he was that guy to get you over the hump this one year um, that you just need for the red zone. And I'm not sure if San Francisco thinks that they're at that point.
1: Yeah, I totally agree there. It would be nice with Trey Burton to sort of have a a reverse Delaney Walker. The 49ers let Delaney walk, and it would be nice to have uh, someone like that that has that kind of impact coming to the 49ers and and help that offense out a little bit. But, um, okay, let's go up front here. Offensive line. There's some big names there. I think center might be more of a focus than guard, in my opinion. So maybe Ryan Jensen and Weston Richburg look like the two best centers on the market. Do you, do you think that those guys are going to get paid a healthy chunk? And could the 49ers make that work?
0: I, I don't think they're going to make that kind of money. Centers generally don't when they hit free agency. Um, most centers, if they're worth a lot of money, end up being extended. Um, you know, there, There's a couple of exceptions. Obviously, you know, Alex Mack, a couple of years ago when he signed in Atlanta, uh, but by and large, if you make it to free agency, you probably are considered a second tier kind of guy. Um, generally that maxes out around 6 million or less a year, um, which is not too bad for a, a pretty decent player. Usually there, um, Richburg, he'll probably get less of the two, uh, the kid from Baltimore, I think had a better season. Uh, so I, I think there's going to be more that goes with him. I think he'll probably get closer to that 5-5-6 five, five, million range. Um, Richburg is, you know, it, it was just a bad year for that team overall. That doesn't help you a lot of times when you go into free yeah. agency. So I, I would think he's probably closer in the 4 million range. Um, but those are those are reasonable players to to probably consider.
1: Yeah, the Richburg one is because, and Jensen might not make the market still, but uh, Richburg, they've got that, uh, there's Justin Pugh as well as the free agent, uh, Brett Jones, the backup who who played for Richburg because Richburg missed missed a lot of that season in 2017 with uh, an injury, and uh, I think it came out that Richburg was kind of upset that they put him on IR. He didn't think he he needed to go on IR, so uh, that's why I think that he's going to get to the market, and and I wouldn't have thought he would have last year at this time because he was a good player, but... um, uh, talking about Justin Pugh and maybe another guard who's going to get the most money, most likely Andrew Norwell. What are you looking at for those guys? And do they actually uh, get to the free agent market?
0: Norwell, I think will. Uh, that's hard to say. You know, teams usually wouldn't let a player like that walk, but they already have a big investment at guard with Turner. So I kind of think that they, they can't make a, a two uh, a double investment that way. Um, in that position, uh, because he's probably going to get a top market contract, which is going to be close to $13 million a year. Um, so I, I don't think the Panthers could really do that. I think the last team to do that was probably either the Saints or the Buccaneers uh, that had some high-priced guards. It was probably the Saints that did that um, you know, years ago, um, and that didn't really necessarily work out great um, long-term. But he's going to be pretty expensive. Uh, Pugh is probably going to be around ten million a year. I don't know if the Giants are going to keep him or not. Uh, given that they have a new general manager, I would actually lean towards them probably making a big push for Norwell and letting Pugh hit the market. Um, but Pugh will probably get about ten million if he goes. Um, it's just where guards are these days. Everybody kind of gets around ten million. Um, you know, he's got a, you know that draft status to fall back on. He's been pretty good most of his career. Uh, The issue with him is just that he's been banged up in the last couple of years now. Um, So I think you have to factor that into play. Uh, For San Francisco, considering they always use these uh, various types of per game bonuses and things in their contract, um, that's probably a good fit. Um, But they could go either way with either of those players. They could outbid anyone, certainly for Norwell, if they want to do that. Uh, But I think Q is a decent pullback option as well.
1: Yeah, and Pew does have that ability to to play a little offensive tackle as well. I don't know how well he actually played tackle, but he has done it and that that could be a factor for the 49ers. Yeah, he, he's
0: he's pretty versatile and you know you, you like players like that on your line, especially someone like that who, you know, you don't complain. It's just, can you go play right tackle? Yeah, go play right tackle. Yeah. You know, can you play this side? Can you play that side? The, those are the kind of guys that usually you like to have around especially on the line because you know, in many ways that line is a thankless job and so when you have a guy that has all those traits um, you know, that fit in that way, you know, he's probably not going to be the kind of player that takes the money and you know, shows up out of shape and uh, doesn't do that well after he gets paid. So, yeah, I, I think those are all uh, kind of factors that uh, benefit him um, when he hits free agency.
1: Jason Fitzgerald of OverTheCap.com joining me here on Locked On 49ers. Got to get to the defensive side of the ball real quick before we let you go and uh, really appreciate the time, Jason. Um, it's the two big positions for the 49ers, I think they'll be targeting either free agency or the draft or both is outside speed, edge rusher or cornerback and a particularly a, a big press type of a cornerback um, and possibly linebacker now with all the trouble that Ruben Foster has been getting into this offseason. But uh, let, let's start with, The edge position and the two big names there are DeMarcus Lawrence. I have a hard time believing he's going to see the open market. But Ziggy Ansah is an interesting name for me because he has some ties with the 49ers front office with Martin Mayhew, who now works for the Niners, was uh, the GM when they drafted Ansah in Detroit. So if he signs off on the player, then uh, maybe the 49ers would. And and a lot of the free agents they've brought in are players who could be uh, vouched for by people that are in the building now in San Francisco. So what would Ziggy Ansa cost the 49ers to bring him to San Francisco?
0: I think he's gonna be pretty pricey. I think he's gonna end up in the fifteen million a year range. I know there's some people that are a little bit concerned with uh how his body is maybe going to hold up long term. But I mean he doesn't really miss any games. He's been pretty productive I and mean, then he had uh twelve sacks or so last year. He was he, you know just a really good rusher. Uh those kind of players all get paid when they hit free agency. Um Vernon being the biggest one a couple of years ago, uh, pretty much all the stars aligned for him. I don't think that'll happen for anybody this year. But that $15 million range, um, you know, and the, the other player that you mentioned was Lawrence. I'd be stunned if uh, the Cowboys, you know, allowed him to hit free agency. Uh, I think uh, it's pretty much a given he's going to end up on the franchise tag. And, you know, once you get past those two players, you um, there's a big downgrade, I think, at that point. And you get more into either some, you know, veteran guys, like much older guys, um, or you're just looking at, uh, you know, your kind of question mark guys, your Trent Murphys of the world. Um, you know, players who have shown some production in the past, uh, but, you know, maybe missed the season because of injury, didn't have a great year going into free agency. Um, so I think it's really those, really onto this, the one guy um, who's kind of on the younger end, um, and just has potential for really high production that's going to be out there.
1: All right, so let's look at some cover guys real quick before we let you go, Jason. Um, I think the the big one, and I don't even know what to think about him anymore because I thought maybe that the Patriots would use the franchise tag on Malcolm Butler after they traded away Jimmy Garoppolo. And I thought maybe the Garoppolo trade was, that was part of it, is they knew they wanted to use that franchise tag on another player this off season. Uh, but then he gets benched for the Super Bowl. And so I don't know if that, makes his value take a hit, but uh, how much is Malcolm Butler looking to get on the market? Is he going to be the highest paid corner this
0: offseason? He might be the highest paid this offseason, but he's not going to make huge money. Uh, He's probably going to max out around 10, 10, 10.5 a year. Uh, This was not a good year for him. Um, I kind of think it started last year in the Super Bowl. Um, You know, He he had a couple of big plays that he gave up against the Falcons. Uh, It was pretty clear when the Patriots went out and they signed Gilmore to that pretty obscene contract uh that they didn't think that butler was really a top guy um and i think the fact that they benched him for the super bowl was just a a nightmare for him because uh you know he didn't necessarily have a great little playoff run um the time that he was there and uh you know you, you, you needed that big game in the super bowl i think to get your name back out there a lot and he was had his name out there for negative reasons for uh you know getting benched for whatever reason um while the Patriots saw secondary, get torn up in the game. And, you know, I think he played one special team snap. So I think that hurts him incre- incredibly much. So I, I think he'll top out at 10-5. And I'm not even sure if he'll get there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up under 10. Uh, we've seen that happen with cornerbacks before. Um, you know, that it would be a pretty big fall for someone who was pretty highly regarded, it seemed like, uh, about a year and a half ago. But uh, I, I think that it just has been a very bad year overall for him. And the, uh, the Super Bowl capped it off, uh, you know, just a, just a real negative him. So the one guy that I think
1: makes the most sense as a target for the 49ers, just judging by what the 49ers have used with this new coaching staff at outside cornerback, they've all been 6'2 plus type corners. And the guy they drafted last year, you know, Kelly Witherspoon, 6'3", and Tremaine Johnson, who's been tagged twice in a row, he's not going to get tagged again by the Rams. So there's a good chance he he sees the open market, or and uh, and he is that six two plus press type cornerback. So I think he fits from that standpoint. Can uh, can he come in a little bit uh, south of what someone like Malcolm Butler is going to make, or is he going to be right in that same range?
0: I think he'll be in the same range. He may he may be a little bit over. Uh, I think normally I, I would have said. You know, going into this year before it began, I would have said that uh, Butler definitely would have earned more than him. Uh, but he'll probably be in that same range, maybe a little bit above. I'm sure he's going to aim to look the, to get what Janoris Jenkins got a couple of years ago um, since he played with him. I, I would imagine that's uh, kind of a benchmark number for him. But, uh, you know, Johnson's a little bit older now. I think he's 28. So it's not the same as hitting free agency in the 26 years old uh, whatnot. Um, he's made a lot of money the last two years with the tag. I don't really understand why the Rams tagged him a second time, um, but they did it. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll hit free agency this year. Uh, I can't imagine that they'll, they'll come to an agreement now. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll probably look initially for, you know, 12, 13 million a year. Um, maybe he finds a team that'll give that to him, but I think it could be comparable, um, where he ends up as time goes on. I, I don't know if he's really looked at, around the league is one of the top corners in the NFL. And that's probably a reason why the Rams couldn't come to a long-term agreement with him was uh, they probably valued him much lower than whatever he was looking for.
1: So looking at budget options at corner and maybe someone who could come in as a bargain, I don't know if there's any names you want to throw out there, but there's one guy in particular I'm looking at from the Indianapolis Colts who's got that six, two frame and that's Rashawn Melvin, he's only put about a half of season of solid production in his four year career so far together but uh what kind of money would he be looking at and even possibly even if you signed one of those guys you signed Melvin too or just be someone who who could come in and uh, you draft a guy high and then you bring him in to also compete cuz I don't think he's going to get starters money right
0: yeah i i don't think melvin is going to get a, a big deal i know uh, other people disagree with me on that but uh you know he he's bounced around a little bit um you know he played uh what was it uh, 10 games i think this year um, so I, I don't think that there's a, a giant track record there. So I, I don't think he's really going to break the bank at all. Uh, I think you could probably find him on a pretty affordable one year deal. And I think he'll, uh, he'll play the odds that, uh you know, he can put together a full season of much better production on a decent team and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe get a better salary the next year. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of cornerbacks that'll be out there that are going to be in that, uh, you know, six million dollar kind of range, six point five million. Uh, you know, EJ Gaines types of the world. Um, you know, th- those are the kind of players who are really out there this year. That would be, you know, other options. Um, you know, th- those are not the kind of players that you're really going to slot in as a, uh, you know, top option or anything on the outside. There, there are more players that are going to, you know, be a little bit more complementary and, um, you know, give you some benefits. Obviously, overall. Uh, but those are the kind of guys who are out there. You know, you can have a Prince of Mugamora. If you wanted to go for, you know, a more veteran name who probably isn't too expensive, uh, I don't know what the the deal is with Kyle Fuller. Uh, I'm not sure where that will end up. Um, I think he's someone that has a pretty high ceiling, obviously, but the way he's played most of his career, I can't imagine anyone is going to offer him that kind of contract. So he might be someone willing to do a one year deal if he wanted to look for a player like that. Um, but the, that's, that's kind of the names who were there. I think there's a lot of depth at corner this year. Uh, so, I mean, it's just kind of picking through a list of players and seeing who fits your scheme that well, and, uh, then just making the deal happen. That is Jason
1: Fitzgerald. Fantastic stuff. Knowledge of the cap and, and this free agent stuff is, is mind blowing there, Jason. <laughs> Appreciate the time. You can find his work at overthecap.com. Uh, that's the number one place to go. If you're looking for salary cap and free agent information, over the com and, and don't be fooled by some other websites out there, I think are uh, even kind of stealing some information from you out there. Aren't they, Jason?
0: Uh, there, there's some people who borrow it, uh, <laughs> kind of, uh, without any kind of permission. They, uh, they'll, they'll go in there, they they may borrow it and then they'll uh, claim that they sourced it somewhere. But, uh, sometimes we, we put in some intentional mistakes here and there and, uh, not surprisingly <laughs> those intentional mistakes end up there as well. Wow. So, uh, it's pretty interesting to see, uh, what kind of source they could have gotten that mistake from when I know I'm the one who made it up so <laughs> yeah those, those kind of things happen well wow, hoodwinking people over there at overthecap.com
1: check out the website you can find Jason on Twitter at Jason underscore OTC and Jason can you tell the listeners where to find your book uh you can go to amazon.com and just do a quick search for crunching numbers and it should uh, pop up there and um, you can just get it right through that awesome fantastic stuff Jason really appreciate the time man no not a problem have a good night See, this is what I love to do for you guys, listening to Locked On 49ers. I know my limitations, so uh, I like to bring people on the show that are smarter than me. And, uh, man, Jason knows his stuff when it comes to the salary cap and free agency and what players may get. Uh, so a lot of interesting names there. And, uh, man, I, don't, I wonder how much money Jed and the 49ers are willing to throw down after front-loading a massive amount. They're going to give Jimmy Garoppolo $40 million in 2018. Uh, they've got some needs. And... Um, Still got some cap space, so how much more of that are they going to use? It's going to be interesting to find out, but I think there might be a few bargains possibly uh, in free agency as well for the 49ers. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks again to Jason for joining me on the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back on Tuesday. Get those mailbag questions in either on Twitter at BD peacock or email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. And I'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked On 49 ers